1: Tonight on the readout, the most corroborating evidence we have is that
2: 1023 form from this highly credible confidential human source, according to U.S. Attorney Scott Free. You said that
1: this informant now charged with some
3: of the most corroborating evidence to that in interview.
2: Yeah, time. it did corroborate what what I just said there, but it did not change the facts. It doesn't change the, f- the fundamental facts.
3: It doesn't change the facts. It does change the facts. Those are no longer
2: facts. Those are not those are not true.
1: It's not just embarrassing, it's a scandal. The Republicans' highly credible source now says he was, in fact, passing along Russian disinformation about the Bidens that formed the foundation of Republicans' wayward and hapless impeachment inquiry. Former Rudy Giuliani associate Lev Parnas, who was involved in a previous effort to dig up dirt on the Bidens, joins me in just a few minutes. Also tonight, Trump continues to compare himself to slain Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, while making another absurd claim about his purloined classified documents. Plus, many questions remain unanswered after a bullied non-binary high school student died following a fight in Oklahoma. But we begin tonight with the Republican Party's propensity for mendacity, which is a fancy word for lying. That's right. Today, we were yet again reminded of just how committed to lying they are in order to win. Facts be damned. As you know, back in December, House Republicans voted to formalize their impeachment inquiry into President Biden, despite no evidence of any wrongdoing, let alone high crimes and misdemeanors. Those are the facts. But over in MAGA world, we know facts are a mere inconvenience. Every time Republicans and their propaganda mouthpieces over at Fox, Newsmax and OAN were confronted with the reality that there's actually nothing to impeach Biden for, they breathlessly assured us that they had the goods. Really, 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 we swear. And they frequently cited the existence of an FBI informant who we now know is Alexander Smirnov. Smirnov, the informant and an operative with ties to Russian intelligence, allegedly told the FBI in a document now known as FD-1023 that in 2015, he had a contact at Burisma, who claimed that Vice President Biden and his son Hunter had each accepted a $5 million bribe to protect Burisma from all the things. Oh, and he also claimed to have recordings of all of it. Republicans' MAGA media caught wind of this from a mysterious whistleblower and boom, they had their bombshell. That FD-1023
4: form that documented allegations of bribery from a trusted FBI confidential human source has now finally been released. One of the FBI's top informants, a guy with impeccable credentials, A great track record reported an allegation that Joe Biden took a five million dollar bribe right under Barack Obama's nose from a foreign national in exchange for a policy decision.
3: A veteran FBI informant alleging both the president and Hunter Biden each took five million dollars in bribes. But the details come from an FBI informant who is very trusted.
5: Now we're learning from a credible source who they don't want us to see or know
4: about. That there was five to the big guy and five to Hunter paid through
1: dozens of family members. If you're watching other networks, you're not going to hear this story. Mm -hmm. So if you're just watching Fox for the first time, we'll tell you what's happening in this story because the media has been ignoring this. I guess Fox's standards department was out to lunch when they did those stories because what they're pushing, we now know, is a lie. How can I be so sure? Because last week, that so-called informant, Alexander Smirnov was arrested at an airport by the FBI and charged with making false statements to his FBI handler and creating a false and fictitious record of information he gave to the FBI. According to DOJ documents, Smirnoff transformed his routine and unextraordinary business contacts with Burisma, not in 2015 when Joe Biden was vice president, but rather in 2017 and later when Biden was a private citizen with no ability to influence anything for any company, into bribery allegations. He made up these allegations against the presumptive presidential nominee of one of our two major political parties after expressing bias against Biden and his candidacy. The story doesn't end there. Yesterday, the Justice Department pleaded with a judge to keep Smirnoff behind bars because they concluded he was a flight risk. Why, pray tell? Well... He told agents that he had recent contact with foreign intelligence services, including Russian intelligence agencies, and has had such contacts recently. Some of those contacts are described as someone who purportedly controls two groups of individuals tasked with carrying out assassination efforts in a third-party country, a Russian representative to another country, and someone with ties to a particular Russian intelligence service. All of that sounds pretty bad. But that's not even the worst part. According to the DOJ, Smirnov is actively peddling new lies that could impact present and future US elections after meeting with Russian intelligence officials in November. And guess who helped mainstream these unverified claims at the time Smirnov was making them? Iowa's non senior senator Chuck Grassley, the president pro tem of the Senate who, in 2020, had just completed his own investigation into the Biden corruption claims, but found no evidence of improper influence or wrongdoing by the former vice president. That little inconvenient truth did not stop Grassley from pushing the Biden corruption narrative. In 2022, he cited a new supposed whistleblower, and Grassley pushed Smirnov's claims to the hilt. Here he is on the Senate floor, pushing what amounts to a literal Russian lie.
6: The FBI document shows a criminal bribery scheme. The criminal scheme included Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, each being paid $5 million for Joe Biden to take a policy position in favor of foreign nationals. That policy position was ultimately taken Joe Biden even bragged about it. What have
4: my Democrat, Democratic colleagues done to investigate that evidence? What has the Biden Justice Department done?
1: Grassley then recruited his House MAGA counterparts, Oversight Chairman James Comer and Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, who just ran with it.
4: Do you believe that this is now officially the Joe uh, Biden bribery, allegation. And do you believe that you will be able to prove that? Jim Comer. I sure hope so. And I I do believe that uh, there's a lot of smoke and where there's smoke, there's
2: fire. Senator Grassley is a, is it was, you know, the, he's the guy who's worked with more whistleblowers in this town than anyone else. He thinks it's credible enough to bring this, the whistleblower brought it to him. He thinks it's credible enough to say it on the Senate floor. We
7: have basic information with respect to what The informant has alleged, and it's very serious, it alleges uh, that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was involved in a quid pro quo with a foreign country uh, in exchange for, for foreign aid. This is a very serious accusation.
1: Again, these men were repeating a lie. But what's far more concerning was that they were repeating a Russian manufactured lie willingly, glibly, with clearly zero caution or concern. On May 31st of last year, Senator Grassley and Chairman Comer had a private conversation with FBI Director Christopher Wray, who warned the two of them that the source of their claims was under investigation, and they responded by threatening him with contempt for not making the document public. Nevertheless, they persisted. So why does this all matter? Well... Republicans relied on an informant who is currently being accused of being an agent of disinformation for Russia. Republicans built a case around a man that the Justice Department was so concerned about that they asked a judge to keep him locked up because he might take the $6 million in cash that he has access to and his Israeli passport, because that's where he's a citizen, and flee to Russia. Surprisingly, despite all of that, A judge did grant Smirnov's release from custody on Tuesday, but with conditions, a decision that the DOJ so adamantly opposes that they asked the judge to reconsider this morning. Here's the other important part of this. Russia is so determined to undermine our democracy and their democracy at home that they will do whatever it takes from killing opposition leader Alexei Navalny to interfering in our elections. In 2016, both the Mueller report and a bipartisan Senate investigation proved that Russia interfered in the presidential election in a far-ranging influence campaign approved by Vladimir Putin to help elect Donald Trump. In 2020, they sought to do it again, this time making Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, the target of a Russian influence operation aimed at circulating lies about Joe Biden, which he willingly did when Giuliani traveled to Kyiv in 2019 and met with a Ukrainian lawmaker whom the U.S. government later labeled an active Russian agent and sanctioned on grounds that he was running an influence campaign against Biden. Those are the same lies that Smirnov mirrored when he talked to his FBI handler and fed him made-up stories. Sadly, the issue here is that Republicans are repeatedly far too willing to be pawns in Russia's quest to destroy this country and set our democracy on fire. But I guess when you share the same goals, you're more than willing to be Russia's useful idiots. Joining me now is Lev Parnas, former associate of Rudy Giuliani during his scheme to dig up dirt on the Bidens in Ukraine. He is the author of the book Shadow Diplomacy, Lev Parnas's Wild Ride from Brooklyn to Donald Trump's Inner Circle, which comes out tomorrow. And Naveed Jamali, former FBI double agent and host of Newsweek's Unconventional. Thank you both for being here. I do want to start with you, Lev. Welcome to the show. I just want to walk you, you. with you through your own journey as somebody who was peddling lies like the ones Mr. Smirnoff was peddling. You uh, became a big-time donor with a guy named Igor, Lev and Igor. People will remember you guys by your first names from that scandal in which you donated a bunch of money to a Trump super PAC, became insiders, and then talk about how you got involved with Rudy Giuliani in trying to market a very similar story to the one Mr. Smirnov was marketing to the Trump campaign.
6: Absolutely, thank you for having me, Joy. I'm a big fan of sure. watching your show thank from you. the very beginning. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean it was it was a little bit more than just uh, donating. Uh, I built a relationship with a very big uh, Trump lobbyist, uh, Brian Ballard, at the time, and a combination between the donations and the relationship with him, uh, I was able to uh, become a very big insider in Trump's inner circle. Um, I met Giuliani in the summertime of 2018. Uh, when I say met, I really met him. I I met him several times previously, but that's when we got... Uh, pretty close uh, We started mm-hmm. uh, spending time every day And uh, I could tell that it, you know U- Ukraine was always on his mind At that time he was looking at Ukraine For the Paul Manafort stuff The Black Ledger and certain stuff And then one I- evening uh, We were sitting in the Grand Havana room And uh, Giuliani got a call from uh, Bart Schwartz I think it was It was one of his investigators at the time That was doing uh, research on Ukraine And had some breaking information He had a whistleblower that was uh, Basically telling him information information about, you know, Hunter Biden on the board of the directors and other information about the Black Ledger. And we were sitting, me and Igor, with him having cigars. Igor was having drinks. And Rudy got off the phone and started, like he would usually, and start talking about what, you know, he was on the phone with with us. And when he started talking, he started realizing that we knew a lot of the players. We heard a lot of the same information and we were eager to, you know, participate in the conversation uh, within a half an so hour. So wait, let, let you know, me just...
1: Let me let me just back you up for just one second. You were born in Ukraine, right? Back when it was part of the Soviet Union, you are Ukrainian. And so this whole idea, all the black ledger stuff, the allegation was supposed to be that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, when Joe Biden was vice president, were taking bribes to protect this company, Burisma, that Hunter Biden sat on the board of, right? Is that the same story that you were also peddling? And do you now say that that story was made up?
6: absolutely that was the same story and i've been saying that it was made up for the past four years ever since my arrest i've been screaming at the top of my lungs that it was made up and not only was it made up i've also shown the world that the people that were doing it were russian agents that were and giuliani never cared giuliani never cared solomon never cared fox news never cared none of them cared as long as it fit their narrative yeah. uh, and with, uh, that was the information that was pushed
1: And who fed you that story?
6: Oh, it was a bunch of people. Uh, Most of them had ties to Russian uh, oligarchs or Russian uh, agents or Russian government officials. Uh, Some of them were actual Ukrainian officials that also had ties. But uh, at the end, it was all the same people pushing the same story that was uh, coming from the same source, uh, Russia.
2: Right.
1: And the goal of the story was to make Biden look corrupt so that it would negate Donald Trump's alleged ties to Russia and make it look like Biden was on the take from Ukraine. Is that correct?
6: Oh, that was a combination. Yeah. First of all, it was that. But also Trump was so scared of losing to Biden that he thought it would be an embarrassment mm-hmm. that they wanted to seal it by getting Biden out of the race by showing how corrupt it was and not giving him a chance.
1: So let, let me bring you in, Naveed, because you uh, you know served as a double agent. You know how this works. Is that how it works? That that a Russian operative or Russian agents gets to somebody like uh, our friend Lev here and says, "Hey, this is a story I want you to push," and then it goes into the ecosystem, and then that works. But if he, he if he also has an FBI handler, and then he's telling that guy the story, that's a crime, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right on both parts. I mean, Joy, this feels like we've been here before. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, yes. it's like WikiLeaks, Literally. Car- Carter Page, and, and all of that rolled into one. You know, for people who maybe just have lived under a rock for the last eight years, I'll say this as I've said it before. For Russia, the Cold War never ended. United States is Vladimir Putin's main enemy. Um, he is seeking to undermine not just democracy. It's not about necessarily putting a thumb on the scale for uh, Biden or Trump, although intelligence assessment says that he prefers Trump. The reality is that he wants to see a weak in the United States. I mean, we talked about the death of, of Navalny, but the other big news that happened this week is that... It was announced that Russia is trying to put a nuke into space. I mean, this is a man. Unlike 2016, unlike 2020, he is at war. Ukraine losing badly. He is desperate, and this makes him incredibly dangerous. So, why wouldn't he try to interfere with the election? Why wouldn't he try to undermine Joe Biden? It just, well, you know, it just right. makes total sense with everything we've seen the last eight years.
1: And with Smirnov now out, he has an Israeli passport. Can you understand why a judge would release him? When he could just leave or actually be in danger, we've seen Russia target people who it sees as a threat, whether they're in Russia or not.
5: I don't think that he is at risk for being assassinated in the United States. I think the Russians, there there are some rules that they play with. Although, again, to your point, they assassinated a defector in Spain just this week. So, um, you know, insofar as why the judge did it, you'd have to ask them. It is certainly, if the DOJ is saying this guy's a flight risk, they believe he's a flight risk. And if he has other passports, you know, again, it's just— It is crazy, to your point, Joy, working with the FBI, that this person would have gotten to that point. You know, they would have vetted him. They would have had to confirm. And it's obvious that his lies were easily disprovable, it seems, from reporting. So I have to ask the same question you're asking, is how did this come to pass?
1: Uh, Lev, I, I'm going to give you uh, uh, an opportunity to explain how, how easy is it to launder the kinds of stories that you and Rudy Giuliani and Mr. Smirnoff were laundering? How easy is it to launder them to Fox or to Republican members of Congress? Are they just it's like, bring them to me?
6: Well, I mean, usually, I mean, it would be really difficult. But here you had willing participants that wanted the information, looked for it and, you know, dismantled information that didn't make sense. So uh, they were eager, willing participants. And basically, I mean, look, I mean, Devin Nunez had Derek Harvey be my handler, uh, you know, doing interviews with Ukraine. And then he got up and said he didn't even know who I was, claiming my wife was calling him instead of me. I mean, these people are insane. I mean, they don't want the truth. Uh, They don't. All they want to do is like Homer said, there's a lot of smoke, so there should be fire. But they want so much smoke where you think there's fire, but you can't see because there really is no fire. It's just a mirage. Uh, and that's all they want to do. They want to cause chaos. And, and they knew all along that, the, that most of the information they're talking about was nonsense. And just think about this, Joy. And they will confirm. I was arrested in 2019. The FBI has had all my information since 2019. I've also given in two, 2020 all the information to the impeachment committee, to the G, uh, RNC and uh, the DNC. So they all had my information. They saw my communications with Zlachevsky from Burisma where he denied, where I, where Giuliani had me ask him, was Hunter Biden involved? Did Joe Biden receive the money? All of these same questions were uh, Zlachevsky denied. And they knew it and they had it. And why would it take them so long to come up? And another thing is, this is an individual that is being handled, and Naive could probably confirm to this, that is being handled by the FBI. Yeah. He supposed, so he right. had meetings with Burisma, supposed in 2015, and he overheard this conversation, but he didn't report it in 2015. All of a sudden, he only reported yeah. in 2020 after my arrest and after I came public with all the stuff that they were doing. So, uh, I mean, it's very fishy what's going on in the FD- FBI. I mean, even uh, remember David Clark. When David Clark was announced as special counselor, me and my lawyer tried to reach out to him to give him information to tell him that this information is false. He never returned our phone call. So, you know, uh, you take a look at what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will read your book with interest, uh, Lev Parnas. I appreciate you. you coming on the show. Uh, Naveed Jamali, always appreciate you, my friend. It is a strange, strange, strange thing. And I think we're going to be uh, following this a lot more as time goes on. Lev Parnas, Naveed Jamali, thank you both. Up next on The Readout, Trump's big mouth provides even more evidence for the prosecution in his classified documents case. And he says the legal cases against him are a form of Navalny, a form of Navalny. OK, yeah, because that makes sense. The Readout. After this, we
0: got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet five dollars get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party, only on FanDuel. 21-plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable. Bonus best. that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Shinsaki.
3: Have you ever seen the house this dysfunctional?
7: Rachel Maddow.
3: If winning the election is his plan to stay out of prison, what happens in that election if and when he does not win it?
7: Monday's Back to Back.
3: Talk about the stakes of this back and forth, given Trump's behavior. What do you make of the statement from Hamas? Why they're doing it? What, what do you think it means?
7: Inside with Jen Psaki at 8 p.m. Eastern, followed by The Rachel Maddow Show at 9 p.m. Eastern, Mondays on MSNBC.
1: Donald Trump has long suffered from delusions of grandeur. When it comes to his mounting legal issues, he likes to portray himself as a martyr, a victim of political persecution. Just a few months ago, he was comparing himself to a truly historic figure.
4: I'll tell you what, I don't mind being Nelson Mandela because I'm doing it for a reason. I'm doing it for a reason. I'm uh, doing it for a reason. We got to save our country from these fascists, these lunatics that we're dealing with. They're horrible people.
1: Nope, 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 no, nope. no. Now I could easily go into the countless ways that Trump is nothing like Mandela, but who has the time. And just last night, Trump made yet another inapt comparison. Trump doubled down on his comparison of his criminal and civil prosecutions, including the most recent $355 million civil penalty to the circumstances of Russian dissident Alexei Navalny, the top political opponent to Trump's autocratic pal, Russian President Vladimir Putin, whose name Trump never uttered. Even if, if you appeal, you've got to put up escrow money. That's uh, uh, it's a lot, of, lot a of no. It is a
4: form of Navalny. It is a form of... Uh, communism or fascism. Navalny is a very sad situation, and he's very brave. He was a very brave guy. It's a horrible thing. But it's happening in our country, too. Uh, We are turning into a communist country in many ways. And if you look at it, I'm the leading candidate. I get indicted. I never heard of being indicted before.
1: What in the gobbledygook? Navalny's death in a Russian prison was announced last week. He had been imprisoned since his return to Russia in January 2021 after surviving a near-fatal poisoning months earlier. Whatever Trump said makes absolutely no sense. Joining me now is Jill Weinbanks, former assistant Watergate
2: special prosecutor and an MSNBC legal analyst. Do you understand what he said? No. Okay. I do understand that he missed the comparison. The comparison is him to Putin. His threat that he would use SEAL Team 6 to kill his opponent? Well, that's what Putin does. He kills his opponents. Exactly. And the the, the the comparison to Mandela, I won't
1: even go there because it'll just give me agita even attempting to unpack that. Let me let me play you another soundbite of Donald Trump, because part of what he is trying to do with his audience and they love it, they, they they accept it, is to say he he committed no crimes because everything he did, he was allowed to do. He had total immunity to do. Here he is talking about one of the most obvious crimes, taking those classified documents. Here he is talking about that. Well, I need to just hand them over when son. they
5: were requested, though. I mean, they requested him. You could have just handed them over. It probably I was saved t- yourself a lot of trouble.
4: First of all, I didn't have to hand him over. But second of all, I would have done that. We were talking, and then all of a sudden they raided Mar-a-Lago. Do you remember? They said, could you put an extra lock on the door? We showed them where they were. We showed them.
2: No. No, no, and no. He said three things there, all of which are false. They put a new lock in. They hid things. They moved things. Then they tried to destroy the videotape of them moving things. He did not have a right to move them. That is, com- He had no right to retain them. He makes a comparison to Bill Clinton, who kept diaries. So did Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Those are things that are personal and that a president can keep. But all other presidential documents are not to be kept by the former occupant. They aren't intended for that. And that's th- it's such clear law. Um, the Presidential Records Act was a result of Richard Nixon, and it makes it very clear mm-hmm. that they are government documents and must be left in the care of the National Archives not taken as personal possessions. Let, let, let's, let's talk for a moment about Tish James, who is the national
1: hero at this point, yes. because she is the one saying not only did she beat Trump uh, in the, 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 uh, the civil fraud case, but she says give me your properties. You're either going to pay
2: yeah. or you're going to give me your properties. What do you make of that? I, she's absolutely right. He has to come up with the money. He's been a judge to have been a fraud. And the judgment is a huge judgment. He cannot appeal unless he posts cash in about mm, $500 million almost because of interest accruing daily, mm-hmm. or he has to put up his own money. So he has to pay a bond which means extra interest, or he has to put up his own money. And if he fails to do that, the judgment becomes judgment-proof. He has to pay it. And so she's prepared to seize his property. And she will be able to do that. Um, She can put liens on it to collect it, but she has more power than just you and I as citizens if we needed, you know, a contractor doesn't do the job. Yes, exactly. She can actually seize the buildings and remove the words Trump And the value goes up as soon as those words come down. That's true. You're here in Chicago. You saw Trump Tower. That's right. And it's an offense every time you walk past that. Yeah. As soon as the name comes down, the
1: value of the properties actually go up, 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 up. Let me play you uh, Donald Trump's typical defense for everything he uh, does. He says it's perfect. Here it is.
4: You borrow a small amount of money by comparison. You pay it back. The bank is in love with you. This was a perfect loan. I got impeached and it was a perfect call to the president of Ukraine. But we made perhaps an even more perfect call to the secretary of state of Georgia, which is my right. Let me tell you about the travel ban. We had a very smooth rollout of the travel ban. The rollout was perfect, but our border was perfect. I'm back because I'm a perfect physical specimen and I'm extremely young.
1: I
2: mean, it's a a, a silly defense. But I guess it works with his audience. It is a political defense. It's not going to work in any courtroom. Nothing he said in any of those clips has any resemblance to fact or law or truth. It just doesn't. And so it's not going to help him as a defense. Yeah, Everything he says is just a lie. It's perfectly stupid. Here is, uh, I have to ask you what your pin is. I'm seeing
1: you in person for the first time in a long time. I love asking you what your pin is. Tell me what it is.
2: Of course, it's a Chicago hot dog because I love Chicago hot dogs. And the sisters-in-law actually have a fight. Uh, Kimberly says DC hot dogs are the best. And Uh-oh. Barbara says Detroit hot dogs are Uh-oh. the best. And for our live shows, we each are serving hot dogs. <laughs> so what can I say? Um, DC I'm wasn't to, bad. I'm willing to try them all just as a
1: neutral observer. I'm just going to volunteer myself as tribute. Jill Weinbanks, it's so good to be in your city. Thank you very much. And still ahead, Republican Congressman Andy Ogles was confronted by pro-Palestinian activists earlier this month. What he said in response to their comments about the death of children in Gaza has caused outrage. And that is next.
7: Caesar's Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesar's rewards. Join MSNBC's Simone Sanders Townsend, Michael Steele, and Alicia Menendez as they team up to host The weekend.
1: We want to get the newsmakers, the people that are in the middle of
3: what is happening.
0: It's about the conversation. A lot of Americans check out of conversations. We want to check them in.
3: Conversation, we begin, and that you continue all week long.
7: The weekend, Saturdays and Sundays at 8 a.m. Eastern on MSNBC.
1: The United States has been widely criticized for vetoing a United Nations resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, even as Israel's assault in Gaza has killed more than 29,000 people since October 7th. That figure from the Palestinian health ministry marks another grim milestone in one of the deadliest and most destructive military campaigns in recent history. Meanwhile, a Republican congressman is facing criticism after saying he thinks we should, quote, kill them all, after a woman confronted him about the deaths of children in Gaza. In a clip that was captured on video and is now circulating on social media, an activist is seen walking alongside Andy Ogles of Tennessee as she has a back and forth with the congressman about mounting civilian deaths in Gaza.
3: I've seen the footage of shredded children's bodies. That's my taxpayer dollars. I'm going to, you I'm going to bomb those kids. Uh, so
0: I think we should kill them all. If that makes you feel better. Right. Everybody, come uh, right. on. Uh, uh, yes.
1: Okay. You may not have caught the last thing Ogle said, and it was not included in the subtitles, but he said, everybody in Hamas. We reached out to Congressman Ogles' office for comment, but did not receive a reply. But his office did tell the Tennessean that, quote, the congressman was not referring to Palestinians. He was clearly referring to the Hamas terrorist group, Ogles' spokesperson Emma Settle said by email in response to a Tennessean request for comment. Join me now is Congressman Steve Cohen of Tennessee. Congressman, thank you so much for being here. What, what's going on um, in, in, in Tennessee and with your Republican colleagues really in and out of Tennessee, but in Tennessee in particular? T- Nashville's such a nice city. Uh, it's such nice people, but there's a lot of sort of coldness and cruelty to that kind of comment. Your thoughts?
0: Well, Andy's uh, uh, not been in politics very long. He was mayor of a, of a town outside of Nashville. He's, this is his first term in, in Congress, and uh, I think he had didn't handle that interview very well. He obviously is a supportive of, of Israel, and Hamas and is an awful terrorist group that, is, that did horrors on October 7th and continues to do horrors, shoot missiles into Israel and, and having 130 or 100 hostages may still be alive, 110, whatever it is. And, and I'm sure that there's been awful physical, psychological, and sexual torture to some of the women based on the testimonies of some of the freed hostages. So he didn't handle it well, but I understand where he was coming from.
1: What do you think should happen
0: now? Was, do you think there's... I'm happy to hear it was sorry? just a When I first saw it, I thought it, he meant
1: all the Palestinians,
0: mm-hmm. and I, that, was, that just yes. took me aback.
1: Sure. Uh, what do you think should happen right now in Gaza? Do you think there should be a ceasefire?
0: I've joined with Representative Goldman and, and, and Raskin and, and maybe 10 others so far. Uh, we're going to issue a letter tomorrow uh, to let the president know we support a, uh, a temporary ceasefire for the opportunity to have the, the hostages released and uh, a, a, a large amount of humanitarian aid to go into Gaza for the, the, the citizens there who are deprived of food, medicine, um, uh, water, and, and other necessities. Uh, we think that's the best way to deal with the situation now and to eventually uh, solve the problem and it, it, totally. And that this is the first place. We got, the hostages have to be freed or there's not going to be uh, an ending. And, and I, I know Hamas values those hostages, and they value some of them. I think the women more than they value the others, which is rather poor, horrific. But uh, they need to release those hostages. It's been almost four months that they have not seen the light of day, and who knows what they've been putting up with—the the limited food they've gotten and the lack of medicine. You know, Hamas is but down we in do the
1: we do know what Palestinian children and you know civilians are putting up with. We've seen the bleak pictures. It's pretty awful. What do you think that it's this terrible. ongoing conflict is doing to Israel's reputation in the world and to the United States' reputation as we veto these resolutions calling for a ceasefire?
0: Probably not good, particularly in the Middle East, uh, where there's a lot of support for a two-state solution, as there's a lot of Jewish people in America. I know I'm been a, a J Street person to support the two-state solution I have throughout my career in Congress is what I've been had that as, a, as an issue, issue on, on my platter. But uh, I think it's been different. Israel, Israel's israel got Hamas saying that they'll take them out. They've come out during this war and said, we'll have more October 7th. We will not stop. And we will have from the river to the sea, which there may be different interpretations of it, but a lot of people feel like it says we're going to get remove the Israeli government. Well, let me ask you you this question,
1: because you've also had Prime Minister Netanyahu say from the river to the sea, and also you've had a lot of leaders in Israel say things like we're cutting off the food, cutting off the water, and make some pretty outrageous comments about things they would like to do to the people in Gaza. So do you think the rhetoric coming out of Israel and also the seeming rejection of President Biden's priorities, despite the fact that we're funding a lot of this, do you think that's been positive or helpful?
0: It's not been helpful at all. I've never been a fan of, of Netanyahu's as a leader for Israel. In fact, when he came to the Congress some years ago, I refused to attend. John Lewis and I were the first two, and I think there were about ten or twelve of us who who boycotted that because Netanyahu, I think, is is not the right. And he he's similar to Trump. He's trying to avoid being in prison for for crimes he's been charged with, and he's trying to hold on to that. And he needs to have the, the hostages is first concern. Uh, Hamas is a second concern, and the general welfare of the people of Israel third, and he should be like seven. But I think he's first. And so I, I think he's made some statements that have been harmful. And some of the members of his cabinet the coup have been really harsh and, and awful. And they have, as a member of the, of the, Jew, the Jewish Democrats and, and the Congress, we have approached and talked to the Israeli folks who have visited us, government officials, and told them that the statements that the, his lacoud uh, secretaries made were horrific and, and that they needed to stop and that was going to make it make it difficult for us to continue to support them. It's a difficult situation to support Israel with some of the things that Bakuta said. But Israel's in a tough spot. Listen, And, and, and Hamas is still shooting rockets into Israel. Uh, they're not trying to tamper things down either. And I understand. I'd like to see a ceasefire. I'd like to see it in. I'd also like to see Hamas crippled to where they can't be a threat to Israel and, and threaten another October 7th.
1: Well, we would like to continue this conversation. Please come back. Congressman Steve Cohen, thank you. And coming up. Thank you. Coming up. LGBTQ rights activists are demanding answers after a non-binary student in one of the most conservative states in America dies one day after a fight in the school bathroom. There are still a lot of questions about what happened to an Oklahoma teenager, Nex Benedict, two weeks ago. But here's what we do know. According to family members, the 16-year-old, who identified as non-binary, received straight A's, loved to cook, and was devoted to their Choctaw roots and their cat, Zeus. We also know that Nex deserved the chance to grow up. But tragically, that is not going to happen. Instead, Nex died a day after a fight in a school bathroom at Owasso High School in Owasso, a suburb of Tulsa. The mother of a friend of Nex told the local NBC affiliate that Nex was beaten in the bathroom on February 7th. The Owasso school district says the fight lasted two minutes and was broken up by other students and a staff member. The school did not call an ambulance or police. The students involved were evaluated by a nurse, but one parent was advised to take their child to a medical facility. Next was taken to a hospital and sent home, but collapsed the next day and returned to the hospital and was pronounced dead on February 8th. No cause of death has been released, but today the Owasso Police Department said preliminary autopsy results indicated Nex Benedict did not die due to trauma, but the investigation is ongoing. Nex's mother told The Independent that Nex was bullied, starting in earnest, at the beginning of the 2023 school year, not long after Oklahoma's Republican governor, Kevin Stitt, signed a bill banning trans and gender-expansive youth from using bathrooms in line with their gender identity. While it's officially unclear if bullying over gender identity was the cause of Nex's death, what's crystal clear— is that lawmakers in Oklahoma have gone above and beyond to make the state dangerously hostile to LGBTQ plus Oklahomans. Its state legislature is considering more than 50 anti-LGBTQ bills this session alone. Joining me now is Kelly Robinson, president of the Human Rights Campaign. And Kelly, good to see you. You know, while we don't have a definitive cause of death in this case, um, the idea of a fight in a bathroom— probably sparks fear in the hearts of most parents of LGBT or non-conforming kids, I'm a, I assume.
3: Yeah, this is terrifying and horrific. And look, I'm a parent first and foremost. And when you send your kid off to school, you are praying that they come home safe, they come home healthy, and they come home alive. There is a family grieving here because the state and the superintendent and the school did not live up to their responsibility to create a safe environment for that child. Next is grieve- Nex's family is grieving in a way that no one should have to right now, and it's not by accident. We've talked about the state of emergency that the Human Rights Campaign declared a year ago, and this is a chilling effect of it, that we are losing our kids. And we're losing it because of so many politically motivated attacks that are putting laws in place and creating a culture of violence that is not just a risk to LGBTQ kids. It's a risk to anyone's kids, because if this can happen to next, please believe, this could happen to any of our children. We owe them better. So I want
1: to I want to go through some of the I mean some of the laws that they've done. They've got a don't say gay law that's similar to what they have in Florida. Uh, they, pre- they prohibit the use of non-binary gender markers on birth certificates. Explicitly serv- define sex to allow discrimination against transgender people. They have no hate crimes law. You could go on and on and on. Is it your contention that that kind of a political climate could contribute to other kids acting out against a child like next?
3: Absolutely. Look, Oklahoma ranks number five in terms of anti-LGBTQ plus legislation that they've introduced in the state. Number five, they are leading the pack in the worst possible way. And not only is it these bad bills that they're moving into law, but you've also got bad actors in the state that are using every opportunity they can to spew hateful rhetoric towards our community. Governor Stitt has said horrific things about trans people eroding the foundation of society. You've got one of the founders of Lives of TikTok who was appointed to an advisory board in the state. She doesn't even live in the state and was appointed to an advisory board. Let's be clear. Kids at this age, they need trusted adults. And in the state of Oklahoma, they've done everything that they can to pass laws restricting restricting the access that kids need and to remove the trusted adults that can actually create an environment that is conducive for learning and the safety of our children. This is egregious. And it's something that every parent, every person watching should be fearful of. And for those who don't know what Libs of TikTok is, it's a TikTok app, a TikTok
1: sort of group of people who um, go after LGBTQ plus people. And this is just one headline. A teacher who was targeted by Libs of TikTok was sent death threats, lost his job, was accused of grooming. They basically go after people. A guy named Tyler Wynn was featured in a Libs of TikTok post telling students, if your parents don't accept you for who you are, F them. Um, so, and apparently Nex's mother told The Independent that Nex was actually angry about that post. What do we do to protect people in states like uh, Oklahoma that are not protective of LGBTQ youth or adults?
3: It's important for every person watching to see this as a threat to not some of us, but all of us. Again, if this can happen to next, a non-binary kid in Oklahoma, it could happen to any of our kids. And there is something that we can do. Every one of us needs to be standing to say not in my state to the rash of hate that we're seeing targeted towards the LGBTQ plus community, especially trans and non-binary youth. We can stop these bad laws from going into place and hold these officials accountable for the hateful rhetoric that they're spewing. We're also calling to make sure that Nex's life receives some semblance of justice. We're calling on the White House, the Department of Education, the Department of Justice to use every lever of the federal government to ensure that justice is served. And then finally, I think the biggest thing for me is that there are Mm -hmm. kids watching right now who need to know that they are loved, that they are valued, and that they are safe— Every one of us has a role to make sure that that is true. We do not have to let this be the story for another child. but It's going to take every one of us. Kelly Robinson, thank you
1: very much. And I think everyone agrees. Up next, uh, I was honored to be joined by Merle Evers-Williams at a book event recently. Stay tuned after the break to hear her powerful remarks. Before we go tonight, I want to thank everyone who has come out to support me on my Medgar and Murley book tour. I have loved sharing this book with you and meeting all of you and taking selfies. Last, the, uh, last week, I was at Kepler's in Menlo Park. The crowd was amazing. I was also incredibly honored to have much of the Evers family, including the living legend herself, Ms. Murley, join me at her alma mater, Pomona College. The evening was punctuated by Ms. Murley herself addressing the gathering crowd.
3: Forgive
4: me if I'm getting a little personal here, but I feel motivated to do so because my late husband, Medgar Evers, always said to us in our family learn everything you can, then come together, share, build. Go forth. Do not forget who you are and what you must do. Ask God for guidance. And may we all be blessed. Good night.
2: (laughs)
1: What a memorable night. There are still plenty of opportunities to come see me as the book tour rolls on. I'll be in New Orleans, Washington, D.C., and Chicago right here again very soon. Be sure to go to MSNBC.com slash maker and Murley for tickets. And that is tonight's readout.
7: Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards.